before you say it, yes, we know it's late July, but here's the thing. We didn't want you to forget about us here on the OHL podcast. And oh yeah, by the way, some teams in the OHL gave us some things to talk about today. <laughs> Dan Mahar is over there. My name is Mike Farwell. Find Dan on Twitter at his name, Dan Mahar. I'm at Farwell underscore OHL. And even as we await a new OHL season, this off season is providing plenty of conversation pieces, particularly around coaching, Dansky. I didn't look this up, and maybe one of our listeners slash viewers knows, but it feels to me like we have never had so much movement in the coaching ranks. It's kind of incredible. Yeah, there's, uh, and it was nice of these teams to consolidate their news all to uh, to a day so that we could actually cover this all in one podcast. But yeah, what a what a day and a lot of movement and some exciting new pathways forward for some of these teams. So let's start with the Kitchener Rangers, not only because it's the city that we call home, but still arguably one of the premier franchises in the entire Canadian Hockey League. And I say that even in the same breath as I remind you that the Windsor Spitfires, who also on this same day announced a new head coach, won three Memorial Cups in nine years. So, hey, Windsor did that. We're going to start with Kitchener. And I don't know if you saw this one coming, Dan. I certainly did not. You see a hocus from Finland with a two-decade coaching experience resume already uh, comes over. Now, I can say this with certainty, first non-North American head coach for the Kitchener Rangers. Again, maybe one of our listeners, viewers knows better. Off the top of my head, I haven't yet come up with a non-North American head coach in the O. So we might be blazing a trail there too. I'm not positive. I won't uh, lay a wager on it, but off the top of my head, that's where I'm at. That same with me, Mike, is my uh, rudimentary quick take research today tells me that's that that's true. So Kitchener might be blazing a bit of a trail here. And for all those Kitchener Ranger fans that were hoping this team would cast the net further this time and, and really do their research well, you can't cast your net much further than, than going to Finland to find your, your new head coach. And here, like you mentioned, late July, uh, obviously took their time to do this and get this right. Uh, I think GM Mike McKenzie mentioned 15 to 20 interviews that he has conducted for this position. Uh, so when you get a guy with this kind of a resume, I don't know how that fan base can be anything other than excited about what's to come. Got some pretty great credentials behind his name. So it'll just be the adjustment to North America for him. It's interesting you say that about the fan base, because if it's one thing I've noticed in recent years, it's that the fan base is getting restless. And look, I get that. I would suspect that the front office is even a little bit on the restless side, having not seen an OHL championship since 2008 and not even a finals appearance since then either. So it's been a long time for, again, I'll say, one of the premier franchises in the entire Canadian Hockey League. But if the fan base, and I don't disagree, I, I think they should be really intrigued and excited by this coaching hire, but the other aspect of it is kind of like when Chris Dennis came in a season ago, what does anybody in the Ontario hockey league really know? I mean, it's not, it's not a well-known Ontario hockey league coach. Not that it had to be obviously, but you see a hocus is not known to anybody in this league. Yeah, it's, it, 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 obviously it's, it's really tough to assess moves like this, Mike, before anything happens on the ice. And there's a whole bunch of factors at play here. So I think the fan base in Kitchener obviously has reason to be restless. 
things haven't gone terribly well. The last couple coaching hires, they've, they've had a lot of turnover at that position. Uh, but then you, you bring in a play, uh, a person like Ahokas and you think, well, the, the resume is certainly terrific, but let's not forget, this is a very, very young kitchen ranger team. He's going to be coaching. So the expectations on the ice, I think have to be measured. Uh, are we going to look at this hire in December and say, well, you know, the team's playing 350 hockey. This is a disaster. Are we going to say, you know, that's kind of what we expected out of this team with their youth. So I think the fans have a whole lot going on in their heads right now when they look at this hire, but, but I think it's hard as a junior hockey franchise to find anyone with, with better credentials than, than him at, at this point. I mean, he's won a world junior championship that, that headshot you'll see all over the media now is, is a fixture behind that finish bench that we've seen all these international tournaments for a lot of years. And I think the one point on his resume, Mike, that stood out the most for me was when he took over the the Turku team in 2020, a 37 point jump for them in the standings. And it doesn't matter what league you follow a 37 point jump in one season is a significant boost. Um, so things like that tell me that you're getting someone that knows what they're doing and just whether or not they can bring their message across to, to North American junior uh, different ice, ice surface, all those things. But he certainly seems to know what he's doing. You nailed it on the credentials, and I'll get to that in just a second, why I like them so much. But I'll also, even though I wasn't willing to bet on the first non-North American head coach in the O, I'll bet you that the Rangers are playing better than 350 in December. We'll see. I know you're just throwing out a number because it is going to be a young team, and we'll see where it goes. But look, a resume is a resume. You you list accomplishments on there. And Chris Dennis, again, largely unknown, had the one year as an assistant uh, in Barry before coming over to Kitchener, but did have some experience with younger players, uh, a high school coaching championship, a, a CIS, uh, youth sports coaching championship. But the bulk of that experience that Chris Dennis had prior to arriving in Kitchener was in pro hockey with the National Hockey League and the Toronto Maple Leafs. What I like about UC Ahokas's resume is what you just talked about. Not only is it going to become an iconic, probably already is in Finland of him holding up that trophy behind the Finnish bench and with the world juniors, but he's got tons of experience, tons of experience coaching players of this age at this level. Say what you will about a world junior team kind of being that all-star team. You still have to bring them together in a short period of time to get them all rowing in the right direction for the tournament, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, what stands out is he is highly credentialed working with young hockey players in this age group. I think it bodes really well for the Kitchener Rangers, especially where they are at in their cycle. When you and I were texting earlier today about this and you said I wonder how long he stays in the Ontario Hockey League but maybe dare I say three four years as this cycle matures and perhaps competes for a championship and then that might be his next stepping stone I'm not trying to project or predict the future here but the credentials with players at this age level is what speaks volumes to me in this hire yeah it's huge and on the point of whether or not he transitions upwards in, in a couple of years I think it's pretty clear his goal that's what his goals are that's why he's come to North America this is a stepping stone he hopes to be in the NHL and we've had none other than you know, Gord Miller of TSN weigh in to say this guy's going to coach in the NHL and some of these 
people that have followed these international tournaments think very highly of him. Team Uslani has weighed in. So this is a guy with some reputation in the, in the hockey world, but the piece you mentioned about the age is huge. And I think when you, when you see a guy hired, Mike, we all hear the same rhetoric, the same buzzwords. Oh, he's done this. He's done that. Every resume starts to sound great. Uh, All the credentials, all the buzzwords are there. Um, Really the proof will be in the pudding, but that piece about working with, Less mature players, uh, with all due respect to OHL players, but they are teenagers, uh, much different than coaching Canadian University, where you get some very mature uh, education focused players who are pretty self-disciplined. 16 and 17 year olds can use a lot of assistance there. And so you'll see in the in the language coming out in the Kitchen Rangers press release say about the types of things that he highlighted in his interview. It was that it was helping work with kids of that age, strong communication, holding them accountable, which I, for me is huge. I think the accountability piece has been missing in Kitchener for a while. And I think that's a, that's a critical function that you have to hold the players accountable. You're doing nobody any favors. If you don't, you you may think you're in the moment you're helping them by not holding their feet to the fire, but in the long run, you're not helping the players. So who are you helping by not having that accountability? So I was happy to read that in the press release. And I think he's got a track record for that. So all those things, I think Mike are factors. And I guess the proof will always be in the pudding. I'm looking very much forward to this season, getting to know a hocus a little bit better and seeing what he can do uh, with this Kitchener Rangers hockey club. By the way, if you don't think going to a Memorial cup looks really good on your resume, if you want to take that next step, you're wrong, but more on that in a moment, let's talk about the other head coaching hire that was announced on this same day, Dan, and that is the Windsor Spitfires, maybe casting a net far and wide and talking to a lot of people, but ultimately deciding on the guy that's been with them in-house for more than a decade in Jared Smith. He's the new head man in the border city. Yeah. And, you know, Jared Smith, like you said, has been, been with the organization for roughly a decade now and progressed through a number of roles. And, and yeah, you talk about Kitchener Castanet across the Atlantic ocean, Windsor cast their net down the hallway. And sometimes that ruffles some feathers. You know, really was the best candidate in, in in-house, I think the big difference I would cite here is what you mentioned earlier in the podcast here is that there's been a high level of success in that tenure there. So going internally is a lot more palatable when the team has been successful and had a lot of championship pedigree in that time. Obviously Jared Smith was a big part of that. So to the Windsor fans who are a little bit on the fence, you know, what are we getting here? What's the style going to be? Just is promoting assistant the best thing to do? Well, your, your team's been pretty darn good for a lot of years here, and he was part of that. So I, I, I think it's maybe earning the stripes, Mike, earning his shot. I love it when it works out this way, Dan, because you and I kind of have an idea of what it is we want to talk about. But obviously, we don't share in advance our points on different topics that we're going to be discussing. So we are either the two smartest men in junior hockey or <laughs> the two dumbest. And I mean, it could go either way. We never know, right? But I, I, I'm exactly of the same mind as you in the hire of Jared Smith. Look, starts out as a video coach. A year later, he becomes an assistant coach. Six years after that, he's an associate coach. And, and I get your point and why maybe the fan base can be, oh, wow, well, you know, kind of been there, done that. But what this says to me, and you nailed it when you talked about the success, remember those three Memorial Cups in nine years I mentioned earlier in this episode already of the OHL podcast? But think of the guys that he has coached with under. Bob Bugner, Rocky Thompson, Trevor Letowski, Mark Savard. 
and that championship pedigree, as you called it, I will add to that the word culture. Call it pedigree, call it culture. I don't think you can argue, at least from the on-ice successful portion of the Windsor Spitfires, that the culture has been exactly what you want it to be for a junior hockey organization. So why not, Jared Smith? And pay dues, again, going back to 2011, working his way up from video coach, you're damn right he's paid his dues. Yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm the first one to criticize an internal hire if the team has been treading water or, or, or everyone in the franchise has had an opportunity to do something and has not really demonstrated it. But the flip side of that is if you have this kind of success and you have an opening and a chance for advancement and you don't give them to your own employees to what does that tell future employees that might be interested in coming to your organization? Well, you know, my opportunity is not going to be here. They don't believe in these internal hires. So it is definitely a balance and you know, it, you, you can get it very wrong or you can get it very right. But I think when you, when you hire internally for an organization that's been so successful during that tenure, you, you have to give the person a shot. I mentioned not being able to argue with the culture on ice success with the Windsor Spitfires. Yes, I know, but I'm not going to whiz all over the team about the sanctions long past. We know what happened. It did happen. I'm looking at the organization as it stands today. I think it's just so well run from the top down. They give the fans a great experience. So we'll just focus on where we're at today. They paid their price. They committed the crime, so to speak. They, they paid for it and they've moved on Jared Smith now the new head coach in Windsor. So many other coaching moves. Honestly, unless I'm just paying more attention or there really are more this offseason than I've ever seen before. But let's run through some of the others, including JR, James Richmond, gets extended in Mississauga. So I've got, if I've got the math right, he's extended till 2030. So does that mean the Steelheads will be there until 2030? I don't know if this means franchise stability, but certainly head coaching stability. Well, I can say this much, that if they're there till 2030, James Richmond will be a part of the reason why, because what a terrific coach. I mean, you know what? I'm a huge fan of James Richmond. When you look around the league, we talk about coaching stability in these centers. They're all looking for it. Well, Mississauga's had it. And Mississauga's had a pretty good track record during his tenure of developing players, getting players NHL drafted, uh, overachieving, I guess, if, if you will, this year when you look at uh, what he got out of that team after the trade deadline when they moved some senior assets. So, uh, James Richmond's known as great communicator, uh, very well respected around the league. Uh, I haven't heard a single player say a bad word about him after they've left that organization. So uh, kudos to Mississauga when you have a good fit, get him locked up. Just a couple of years removed from his coach of the year honors, and he's going to keep the dual title, isn't he? He's going to be coach GM, if I'm not mistaken, which is not an easy job uh, in this day and age at all. Just ask Mike McKenzie, right? You know, as successful as he was, as a coach and arguably you can see that success even again last season after he made the decision 47 games in that Chris Dennis in the first year of a three-year deal had to be relieved of his duties the team improved rather dramatically under McKenzie but he had said from the time he hired Chris Dennis after that COVID year where he stayed behind the bench that his focus was on the front office he wanted to be a general manager and that just speaks I think to the difficulty of doing both roles, but JR is going to keep trying to do it in Missy. Yeah, it's really, well, it really is a tough job to do because if you think about it, Mike, the most critical times of the year for each of those two jobs always overlap, right? The start of the season at the trade deadline and then at the playoffs, when your team has to be ultra focused and prepared, you've also got to prepare for the draft and do your final scouting missions and meetings. So it doesn't, it's not really conducive to doing both jobs all in now tip of the cap to all these 
gentlemen who have done it <laughs> have managed to find a way and some done it very well. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a trick to do it just because the timing never lines up to do both well. I mentioned earlier that getting to a Memorial Cup can really improve one's chances of perhaps taking the next step in their coaching careers. And by that, I meant Derek Walzer, who wasn't a, who was a Peterborough Pete's assistant coach and now has been hired out in the dub by the Red Deer Rebels. What I love about Walzer's resume is he's originally from Nova Scotia, finds his way to the O, does a stint in the UK with the Belfast Giants, and now off to the Western Hockey League and Red Deer, Alberta. I remember a teacher in college when I was studying broadcasting said to me, if you want to get into broadcasting, make sure your passport is up to date. Now, we don't travel internationally as much, but certainly there's a lot of the whole WKRP, town to town, up and down the dial kind of idea. But my goodness gracious, make sure your passport's up to date. If you're going to be a hockey coach too, that's quite the uh, geographic resume for Derek Walzer. Yeah, I hear all these people tell me all the time, Mike, they want to get into hockey. How do I get into jobs in hockey? Well, that's a consideration is that if you want to be geographically stable, shall we say, hockey might not be the industry for you because there's a <laughs> lot of moving around. Now, some people that excites them, that's that's a great opportunity. And like, who could argue with spending, you know, part of your time in, in the O, part of your time in Belfast, now Red Deer, like that's a, a pretty uh, up-tempo life, if, if you will. So it's uh, it's great. Those opportunities are everywhere in the hockey world and, uh, and look forward to seeing what he can do in Red Deer. Todd Miller, after a season behind the bench in Guelph as an assistant, following a, I still think it was a bit of a strange 53-game stint in Oshawa. Nobody really saw it coming at the time that it did, but he was relieved of his duties there. That was after only one year as the head coach of Brandon in the Western League. And all of that followed a long time in Barrie with Dale Howarchuk. But nonetheless, Todd Miller leaves Guelph and is now off to Germany to be uh, only, I, I shouldn't say only, but not a head coach, but an associate coach over there. Yeah, and it's like everything, it's becoming a very global uh world right so we you we're not separated by very much anymore and you see these european leagues and franchises wanting to pick the brains of north american minds so there's the lure for north american coaching talent over in europe just the same way we're starting to see it be vice versa as well because ideas are ideas and everyone's looking for that edge so um the ability to move around is certainly there in this industry I think we talked about, I really should have listened back to some of our final sort of regular season podcasts, but I think we got a chance to talk about Jake Grimes joining the coaching staff in Saginaw. Of course, speaking of Guelph, an assistant there with George Burnett, long time in Belleville. It's not about uh, Jake. It's about the rehiring, if you will, of Garrett Rutledge in Saginaw, who had been with the team, left to coach the Carolina Thunderbirds in the old Federal Prospects Hockey League. I don't even know what you call it, the Fed. I have no idea. But back he comes to the Saginaw Spirit. And why not come back to the Saginaw Spirit as an associate coach? Because, oh, yeah, they're hosting the Memorial Cup this year. Maybe, just maybe, it'll help pad that resume. Good job by the Sting or by the Spirit and Garrett Rutledge. Yeah, just thinking when you when you were talking about that, Mike, why would he pick up that phone and call Saginaw back at this juncture? It doesn't it doesn't make oh wait a minute, it does make a lot of sense. So yeah, a uh, great time for him to jump back on board. I don't think either, just staying with uh, Saginaw for a moment, Valentin Jugan from Wealth now to join the Memorial Cup bound because as hosts, that's what they get to be. Uh Saginaw Spirit. That's a really interesting acquisition for Dave Drinkle over there. 
Yeah, especially when you consider the age of these players. And when you hit your 19-year-old season, you can be have a big uptick. And, and Zugim is already relatively productive in this league. So Guelph, as they say, went in a different direction, had two uh, new import picks who are both now signed, uh, brought in. So clearly Guelph had some intel in the direction they wanted to take. And Zugin was just uh, kind of an unexpected free agent in the mix. So it's great that he found a home, and but not surprising he did. I'm really looking forward to seeing the Dow Event Center. We get to go there, if I'm not mistaken, pretty early. I think, or is it the Flint travel? Sag- no, I think we see, yeah, Saginaw is in for the Rangers opener. And I think we we go there the following week already. Anyway, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing because I know they're hard at work with the renovations that are necessary to get all the private suites and everything to be ready for that Memorial Cup. So I can't wait to see it up close and personal, not to mention eat that wonderful buffet of food they always serve in the media room but uh just thought i'd throw that point in there before we move on to just one more coaching piece i will oh before that the schedule itself i'm just going to throw this in here as a complete tangent but sometimes i think and and the longer i've been at this the more i believe this to be true it is an underrated or underappreciated contributor to a team's success and I say that because I paid probably more attention to this schedule than I ever have previously. Like, what do I care? I'm just, I work 68 games every year, no matter what. But I'll tell you, Dan, last year's second half, and I'll use that in air quotes, was a real grind for for me personally. I, I can't even speak of the players and the coaches, but it just felt like a tremendous grind. And then you look back, well, I remember saying at Christmas time, the Rangers had only played 28 games. That meant 40 more to play after Christmas. And I was thinking about that, not to mention some doozy road trips in there. And I was kind of mentally preparing for it, thinking, man, this is going to be, it's going to be a bit of a bear. And it turned out to be every bit of one coming into that quote unquote second half with those 40 games to go. I looked 83 game 83 days pardon me left on the schedule till the end of the regular season so the rangers had to play 40 games in 83 days the lions share of them on the road i'm not making excuses for anybody i'm just saying that takes a toll i don't care who you are the way the rangers start this year five games in the first eight days a schedule that's really nicely balanced month to month to month I think that might play really well into the hands of a young hockey club. Get them, get some games under your skates early and get going. Well, certainly that was always my preference uh, playing hockey is that you want to play games. Right. And, yeah. and I know maybe the thing, I'm not sure why the schedule was the way it was. I know they have a bunch of considerations there with building availability, et cetera, et cetera. I I've heard one of the influencers was coaches like to have a little more time earlier in the season to practice and work with the team. So they backload the schedule I never really understood that. You've got plenty of time to practice through the season, plenty of time to course correct. Players get sick of practice and they tune out and you start to see those lulls in the middle of the season, right? So I don't think there's ever any reason not to go with balance. Balance is generally speaking a good word in every facet of life. So why not in scheduling? Yeah, I think it's great. And even just as somebody who gets excited for the start of the season, there's all that anticipation. The last few years, I recall like one time there was a Friday night home game for the Rangers, the opener, and then we waited for a week to play again, or there was a Friday, Saturday, and then you're waiting. Like, I'm like, let's just play more hockey. Can we please play more hockey? Two weeks in, you played three games. Because I remember one was, I think it was the home game on the Friday. The following week, it was a Sudbury North Bay road trip. Two weeks into the season, some teams have already played five games and you've played three. 
Anyway, enough of that. I think it's an underappreciated part of a team's potential success. It can absolutely be part of the recipe as far as I'm concerned. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. And you see, it doesn't matter what sport, what league you're talking about, what team you're talking about. You can actually look at a schedule and almost spot the scheduled losses. If you, you know, this team's definitely going to lose this one because it's the third and two and a half. The other team's sitting at home since Friday night, those kind of things. And it affects all the teams. This isn't a one team specific whine. It's just, it's the truth. Scheduling can be a big factor. And I'm sure there are negotiations that go on to get these schedules put together. Whoever did it for the Rangers this year, nice job. You deserve an assist. Only two, three in threes all season long. That's a pretty good number. Okay, one more uh, coaching move I just wanted to touch on briefly. I'm not trying to uh, ignore anybody by design because there were just so many, but I wanted to acknowledge Brad Stovitz as well who's leaving the Sarnia Sting after eight years with the organization. Brent Sullivan's going to come in and take his place behind the bench. But Stobitz has been there uh, starting out as a strength and conditioning coach and for a long time with that Sting organization, but uh, made the decision he had to get back home to the United States or relocate there. So uh, the Stobitz era, if you will, which was a long one, is over in Sarnia. Well, you know, I'm a I'm a Habs fan, so I've got a special place in my heart for Brad Stobitz. Stop <laughs> over and... Didn't didn't ever cheat on a shift that that guy. So yeah, he will be missed in in Sarnia and in in the OHL. Two hundred and thirty National Hockey League games, if I've got my numbers right, with a number of teams, including that lousy team that you like for some reason. <laughs> uh, Al Latang, of course, is the head coach in Sarnia. He's also coaching internationally this summer. So we'll talk about that and some of the players he'll have on his squad. So some international tournament play, which is always part of the summer, and. Unfortunately, but it's worth recognizing some of the names that have left us, not because they've departed for other coaching places, but unfortunately, some passings. We mourn some losses in the Ontario Hockey League. We'll get to get into all of that in just a moment as we continue on the OHL podcast. Let's start with the uh, Halinka tournament, uh, Dan. It's it's one that always gets a lot of buzz. Slovakia and Czechia are the uh, locations for it. This is the team that Latang is coaching. Any of the OHLers that he's got with him standing out to you? Yeah, well, Mike, of all the things we were talking about today, we had some great news on the coaching for all these things. Probably the thing I think I find most exciting for the OHL podcast is what a special year this is for OHL defenders. And I think we need to start getting used to this. This is going to be a storyline all year. Candace Halenka team is dominated by OHL defenders. Some really special players. You talk about Sam Dickinson there. You talk about Zane Prack. You talk about, uh, I mean, I think all but one of their defense are OHLers. Uh, Christopher, you, I mean, you can go down that list and there's all these players are going to be picked probably in the first round of the NHL draft, probably six OHL defenders taken in the first round of the NHL. So it's a really, really special year for the OHL in terms of draft eligible talent. And your first glimpse at them is going to be this link of tournament. So, I mean, I'm not even dismissing the forwards. You got Porter Martone, you got five or six OHL forwards on that roster. So it's starting to look like a special year in general for the OHL, Mike, but keep an eye on those defenders. What, what a special year. 
I love that. And I'm going to tie it back into something we talked about earlier when we have some topics in mind, but we don't decide on exactly what points we're going to bring to the table. You're bringing something completely different. And I love it because that's the perspective. And I'm going to make a note of what you just said about defense kind of ruling the game this year in the Ontario Hockey League with some of these young defenders that we've got. I was pretty excited, of course, by the forwards on this team. Michael Misa, who we got robbed of a little bit of that rookie season with the injury, but Porter Martone, we've talked about this guy so much during our uh, season of the OHL podcast and his dad, Mike Marty is a guest, a previous guest on our feature interview here on the show, which we love. Malcolm Spence is there. And the other name I put a little asterisk beside is Carter George because Owen Sound just kind of ran itself into that problem where they couldn't play him as often as they would have liked due to the junior B, major junior cards, etc. And I've just I've been hungry to see if this guy is as good as his uh, the the limited views we got really turns out to be. So I'm really excited to watch Carter George there as well. Yeah, well, yeah, because he so oodles of potential in his his stint in the ohl last year and i i also uh be remiss mike not i know i just referenced the d but i'd be remiss to not mention the m&ms from uh from ottawa muse and morelli both making that team just just loaded with opportunities to watch these players this year from the ohl it's it's hard to imagine that at least a handful of these guys are not going to stand out at this tournament and, and well, I would say skyrocket up the rankings. I'm not sure they can, they're all pretty high as on the preliminary rankings as we are, but uh, as much as last year was considered a down year for the OHL for NHL draftees, this year will be very much an up year. So that's, that's an exciting thing for people like you and I, Mike, who talk OHL a lot. If you want to wet your appetite, for junior hockey before training camps open later in August. Uh, the Holinka, I don't think there's a better place to do it than that. We also have the U-17s coming up. Uh, a couple of OHL prospects, both second rounders to their respective teams, will be competing there as well. Uh, also in Chechia, Travis Hayes of the Sioux and Nick Whitehead of the Ottawa 67s. Yeah, it's... I mean, people think of summer and this time of year as a bit of a dead zone for hockey, but if you're a fan of the international stuff and you're a fan of these tournaments, which I'm a huge fan, uh, tune in. They're, they're great tournaments. Your first glimpses of, of some of this high-end skill and our, our first glimpses of a lot of these guys that jumped off the page in the OHL this past year was at last year's U18s and uh, what an opportunity to watch them. Um, there's some elite talent here. It's a nice story for Hayes, who's the third Hayes brother to come through the Ontario Hockey League now. Uh, Gavin played for Flint. And then Avery, uh, not too bad, eh, with Hamilton and Peterborough, back-to-back OHL championships. Didn't quite make it in the Memorial Cup, but still, that's nothing to sneeze at. So we'll see what Travis Hayes brings to the Ontario Hockey League as he arrives for the season ahead. Okay, before we close out this episode, we would be remiss if we didn't mention just a few more names, uh, perhaps chief among them, is Craiger, uh, Mike Craig, longtime scout with the Oshawa Generals, and just a terribly untimely passing with a form of colorectal cancer. But the entire league is going to miss Craiger, that's for sure. Yeah, and I, no, I didn't, I didn't know Mike Craig personally, but I heard everything everyone had to say about him and his tenure in the in the league with a young family. Uh, just a horrible disease. We know how hard he fought over the last little while, but uh, what a loss for the for the entire OHL, but thoughts to his family as well as the Oshawa Generals. 
Bill McMillan goes a ways back in the Ontario Hockey League from his time with uh, the St. Mike's Majors. Uh, that was back in the 60s. But originally, a native of PEI made his way into the Ontario Hockey League. And then a couple of neat things from Bill's resume, an original Atlanta Flame when the Atlanta Flames were a thing and the very first coach of the New Jersey Devils in the NHL, the team that Wayne Gretzky famously called a Mickey Mouse organization. So Bill McMillan also passing this offseason. And then a guy that's uh, closer to our hearts, perhaps, Dan, just because he lived and worked in the community where we live, and that is Kitchener, Dave McClelland, who... If you ever watched Kitchener Rangers broadcasts on Rogers TV, uh, Dave was a fixture there for many years. When I started broadcasting in Kitchener, Dave was a part of our broadcast crew, and that's where I got to know him best. But this guy, honestly, after a career in education, lived and breathed junior hockey, amateur sports, hockey specifically, but really the Kitchener Rangers. And there's now a Dave McClelland room of rangers history at the memorial auditorium if you ever come as a visitor check out a game go through a lot of that stuff a lot of that stuff either came from dave's personal collection or these are materials that he meticulously prepared i don't know the time he must have put into it i i couldn't even begin to fathom but it's pretty special stuff and he did a great job of chronicling the team's history yeah well well stated mike and i know you were close to him over the years and I just know as a growing up in Kitchener as a Rangers and OHL fan uh, there were two fixtures human fixtures associated with Kitchener Rangers those were Don Cameron and Dave McClelland and just absolutely ever present around that arena and around the TV dial when it came to OHL broadcasts and what what an asset he was to the community over the years so uh, again thoughts to his family on on his passing as well. Yeah, so to the, to the Craig family, McMillan family, and the McClellan family from the OHL podcast, we know the league mourns along with you, but our condolences get expressed. And just to move this to a slightly lighter note before we sign off, when I was talking about Dave's meticulous nature to compile all of that material, I couldn't help but think of uh, my buddy Jimmy Gilchrist. Uh, nicknamed Cookie, who calls the games for the Kingston Frontenacs. So real quick story, because it's the summer. So what do we do? We take a little bit of time off. And Jimmy and I, we've gotten to know each other over our years in the game. Just a beauty, an absolute beauty. And every year, because with the crossover east to west, we only see each other twice. Once we go there, once he comes to Kitchener. And he's always telling me, he says, Mike, you got to come back in the summer. I'm like, Jimmy, I will, I will, I will. Never did until this year so finally i took a little motorcycle trip uh met jimmy we had dinner together had a few wobbly pops chatted the night away it was fantastic but the best part and i hope i'm not telling tales out of school because i think anybody that knows a little bit about jimmy gilchrist in kingston started out in oshawa moved his way up but not saying up a level up in in the world oshawa is a fine organization but he moved from the oshawa uh, organization to Kingston up the 401 put it that way anyway uh Jimmy has kept incredible notes like I mean incredible notes the, many will tell you that the OHL's own stat keeping was based on what Jimmy was already doing on his own when you covered a Kingston game Jimmy would hand you this stats package that was well above anything the league was doing at the time and I think they looked at what he was doing saying we need to do some of that anyway 
as we got to talking and we got into the wobbly pops, he pulled out some of these old uh, books of his and it's all handwritten and he's got notes from every single game he covered. So you want Kingston Frontenac's history, you name it. He's got the game sheets. He's going through and compiling all of these like ridiculous stats about who's got the most game winning goals in team history. What's the team's record on Halloween? What's the team's record on February 29th? It's unreal. And he, he showed me some of this treasure trove. I know where you're keeping it cookie. And I might just have to come back for another visit. Fantastic stuff. You know, I don't know Jim Gilchrist, Mike, but he sounds like my kind of guy with just oodles of useless information. So that's that's my kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> I should have taken some pictures of it so I could use some of that information myself. What have you been up to this summer so far, Dansky? Nothing that exciting. I have no motorcycle trips. It's been all uh, ferrying kids here and there. Um, so nothing nothing exciting to report, but hopefully your uh, your bike's been treating you well. It so far has been. That was the best part of it so far. But we've got another month of summer. And hey, you never know. Another month of opportunities for things to happen in the OHL before we get back to doing these things on a regular basis in September. So you never know when we're going to pop up. Remember, shoot us an email anytime, ohlpodcast at rogers.com. Uh, any corrections or answers uh, on this particular podcast? Have there ever been more coaching moves? And was there a non-North American head coach in the O? Can't think of one, but maybe you know. OHL podcast at rogers.com. He's Dan Mahar on Twitter at Dan Mahar. I'm Mike Farwell on Twitter at Farwell underscore OHL. Thanks for joining us on this pop-up edition of the OHL podcast. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.